This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. This episode is brought to you in part by Purina. Purina is dedicated to creating richer lives for pets and the people who love them. From helping older pets think like their younger selves to making cat ownership a possibility for more people than ever, Purina is helping pets thrive so they can live long, healthy, and happy lives. Purina has you covered for all your furry friends' needs, whether they meow or bark. From litter to treats to their best-in-class, nutrient-packed food with taste your pets will love, Purina's got your back at every stage of your pet's life. Your pet gives you the joy of the spring sunshine all year round. So today and every day, care for your pet with Purina. Your pet is Purina's passion. To learn more, head to Amazon.com backslash Purina. Do you dream of being CEO of your own empire, running your own company, achieving your life's goals, yet wake up in a cold sweat next to last night's takeout leftovers and a pile of bus ticket stubs? You are not alone. Like many others, you are suffering from a classic case of caviar dreams, tuna fish budget. I'm Margaret Josephs. And I'm Lexi Barbuto. And every week, we'll be talking to influencers, trailblazers, disruptors, and risk takers who'll share their own journey to caviar dreams on a tuna fish budget. Side effects may include increased motivation, boundless happiness, and a fast track to success. Hello, caviar dreamers. Hello, caviar dreamers. I am so excited. We have the best person on today. And uh, I'm a little fangirling over her because I met her at the what, that food show. Expo East. Expo, Expo East. It's like the, the food show. And I met her because she owns an amazing company. It's a company called Dough. D-E-U-X. Dough. Dough. Dough, like cookie dough. But it's a healthy version of cookie dough. Yes, she has an incredible brand. It's so fun. It's so girly. It's so hip. It's so cute and it's tasty and it's all real ingredients. When you read the label, there's nothing in there that you don't recognize. And she's disrupting an industry that is owned by giants like Nestle. Um, And it's, it's something that like people haven't really gone into. Like we had him before with like um, Sarah Gibson Tuttle, like going against the OPIs and the SEs of the world in the nail industry. Like she's coming in strong. She's coming in hot against literal giants yes and she has blown up this business and i am so excited for you to meet her welcome sabina how's it going how are you we have the founder creator of joe sabina here today and she is unbelievable she has created something that i literally die for I, i i found it i saw it it's like basically it's healthy cookie dough Right? That's really what it is. Who doesn't love raw cookie dough? And it's never been healthy. I've been eating it for years, the unhealthy version. And we got so lucky. We stumbled into each other at a trade show at the um, the Healthy Foods Expo in the Northeast Expo. And it was Expo East. And it was such a chance meeting because I live for baked goods and I love to stick my spoon in something (laughs) late at night. And your cookie dough 
eat dough is delicious. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. I know um, you guys were the most fabulous people at the trade show. So we had to stop and say hi. We're like, oh, wait, they look like one of us. <laughs> oh my God. You are so sweet. I mean, the problem is, is like, I cannot stop eating it. That was, like, there's, but your background, I mean, is so impressive. Everything I've read about you, but there is one similarity that we really have that really bonded me to you. We grew up eating Oreo cookies for breakfast. Yes. Why that, was that okay? That was like... <laughs> that was the coolest thing. I mean, I told my kindergarten teacher that. So when I read that about you, I was like, oh my oh, God, we are it. destined to be friends and to be together because I, your childhood is so interesting because you said you ate these unhealthy things, but you know, Oreos really, I, I still favor them for breakfast sometimes with coffee. So tell us a little bit about your background because you grew up in Texas yeah. and, and with your parents and you said you... You grew up eating, you know, not the healthiest. So not tell healthiest. us, tell us a little bit about that. Well, I feel like when I grew up, you know, in, in the '90s, I don't think we knew as much about health and wellness as we do now. Whereas, like, we have all the information at our fingertips now, and people are just much more informed and educated. I think, but at the time, like my parents, my parents are immigrants, and they kind of trusted the food system in America. <laughs> like it was like, okay, if the FDA approved it then Kraft Mac and cheese is fine, you know, and Oreos are fine to give our kids. And they're kind of busy and like working all the time. So like they weren't necessarily like monitor, monitoring everything we ate. So um, yeah, I mean, on, I just remember like Saturday mornings, I would, I would dunk, I would do, I joke that I, I would do lines of Oreos because I would <laughs> of Oreos for, like while watching cartoons on Saturday morning. So um, I grew up, I say, I call it like the standard American diet and you know, that's Kraft Mac and Cheese, that's Oreos, that's like Smuckers, like all of that stuff. That is what I ate. And I didn't, I played a lot of sports and I grew up like fairly thin. So I don't think that was kind of the judgment of if you were healthy, which is also kind of crazy now that you think about it, that like yes. Yes. Was the judgment of how healthy you are, which is so not true. Um, so, you know, fast forward to when I graduated college, I was starting to explore health and wellness. I had this kind of like janky blog that I'm embarrassed of, but this was before blogs were cool. Um, and it was called Skinny Lately, where I talked about like green juices and cryotherapy and like all of these health and wellness trends. Um, but I, at work, I worked at PepsiCo. So I was selling, you know, soda and potato chips. Um, and so it was kind of, it was just kind of at odds, you know, when you get that feeling where you're like, wait, what am I doing? I'm like on this health, health and wellness journey, but then you know, I'm selling things that are making America unhealthier. So that was kind of like my first foray into like food and beverage. Yes. So it's funny because you worked at Frito-Lay in Texas as well. Mm -hmm. I know. That's it's my large senior. My mother worked at Frito-Lay in Texas. Oh, did she? Yes. That's she worked really in, in marketing. She got transferred there right when I had my son and big proponent of PepsiCo and Frito-Lay and same yeah. thing. We had all Frito-Lay products and, and it's true. It is just like, you know, addictive, but not healthy. Yeah. And like you, I, I obviously everything in moderation, like I'll still have my favorite thing from Frito-Lay is Flaming Hot Cheetos and I'm yes. obsessed with them. And so I will still have them every now and then, but like, yeah, it's it. my goal when I was at Frito, um, I was also in marketing and my sales goal was to sell more pounds of potato chips per American, which is like kind of wild to think of. Wow, um, potato chips, wow, it's by wild. pound. That's, by pound. But it's funny, you do just trust the system. Even this weekend, I was trying to explain because um, my kids are drinking Fanta and it has mm -hmm. red 40 in it and I was trying to explain to them and then I looked at the Lucky Charms 
and they have it in too. Oh, and I would never. I yeah. love a good, I always loved a good lucky charm. Yeah, and you I know was, the way I feel about the lucky charm. I feed them full of fruity pebbles, lucky charms, whatever, because it's in the cereal aisle. So it's yeah. like whatever. I'm not giving you. And like a lot of kids won't eat often if it doesn't taste good. Like it, they just won't eat it. So you have to. My sister's like that. My sister will be like whatever she eats because she's such a picky eater i will just give it to her <laughs> yeah that's it but you think about it we are fed these unhealthy you know norms now it's true so besides frito-lay what background did you have in food that you could create a product like dough like where did this like stem from how did you know how to put the ingredients together because i think that's so interesting were you a yeah. cook did you cook for yourself all the time like how did you do this well what's kind of funny is like i'm actually pretty horrible in the kitchen. <laughs> so I'm, my husband cooks and I am like his sous chef. Like I will chop onions and I'll be like, tell me what to do. And he, he cooks like four out of the five days a week. Like I don't Amazing. listen to him. Oh, okay. Lucky you. I know I married up. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So he cooks for us, but it's with baked goods specifically, like though I don't cook, I've always had this sweet tooth, like this affinity and like people who have it know it, like they need to have, I call it like dessert lunch. Like you need to have like lunch and then like a little bite of dessert, right? Or like you I need to it. have it throughout the day. Every day. Um, that is, it, I, I started with the concept because we were in the middle of the pandemic and well, I guess we still are in the middle of the pandemic. Um, and the first, the first go round of the pandemic. The first, yes. the first yeah, the OG. Um, and I was taking a ton of supplements. So I, and I don't know if y'all do this, but I was taking like zinc and elderberry and turmeric and probiotics. And I would take like 10 pills a day, like in the morning, I would take like 10 pills a day. Um, and it would get stuck in my throat and it would give me heartburn. And it just was like a really poor experience. And, and honestly got pill fatigue where I was like, I can't do what I was like, I eat fairly healthy, right? Like I have a That's even a whole new word. I, I never heard of that. No, well, I'm stealing that. It's like everybody, well, the supplement industry just has grown so much over the last couple of years. So you just find yourself like buying all these things as what I say is like insurance. You're like, okay, I'll take this vitamin C or this zinc. So I don't get sick. Um, so anyways, I, I, I was having a really bad experience. I was like, this is there's got to be a better way to take this like in real food versus taking pills every day because I eat pretty healthy. Like I eat, you know, salads for lunch and like whatever, like I'll indulge on the weekends, but um, why am I not getting those vitamins in my food? And growing up in Texas, I think, you know, y'all being in New Jersey, like kind of understand this is people will eat things that taste good. Like people won't eat healthy food that tastes like cardboard or kale because they don't want that. Like that's yeah, not yeah. what people, you have to make it approachable to people and make it taste really delicious. Um, so it was, the original concept was like a, a tiny little famous Amos cookie, like those mini cookies where you get all your vitamins and it kind of evolved into this cookie dough concept because to your point, it was, it, Lexi, it was just so nice to like eat something, right? Like hand to mouth, yeah. almost like ice cream, like to like bite on something. And so, um, that, that fun to eat kind of started the cookie dough concept. Um, and then I had this friend who, you know, was a plant-based baker and she, none of us were doing anything during mm -hmm. the pandemic. Like the people were making sourdough and like doing puzzles and I was drinking like bottles of wine. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so yes. Like, yes. This, we had so much time and I called her and I was like, Hey, would you be able to formulate something for me? And like, you can just do at home recipes. I'll figure out with a food scientist, how to kind of bring it to life. But like, just at home recipes that's 
you know, something that's gluten-free and vegan because I wanted it to be approachable to everyone. And I, I live in LA now and everyone in LA is like some sort of intolerant. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we like wanted to make sure it was approachable to everyone. And we went through all of these iterations. So we started, we had these little samples that um, we, we called them by letters. So it was like A, B, C, D. We went through the entire alphabet and then half of the second alphabet again. And that is when finally I tasted that product. And I was like, this is it. Um, and I was scrappy. I was, I mean, talk about a tuna fish budget. Like I was, I like gifted it to all of my friends and family in LA. And I said, can you give me feedback on this product and tell me what you like, what you don't like? Um, the, the resounding feedback was it's delicious. They wanted it a little bit sweeter. So we, we did that same thing again and did a bunch of surveys and kind of just dropped them off because it was COVID. So everyone was at home. We just dropped them off at people's homes. And that's kind of how it started. It was super, super scrappy. Well, that, I mean, that's, that's the best so feedback and the best focus group, really, mm-hmm. because it's the people, they're going to be honest with you. Yeah, your, your family members and friends, they're going to tell you if it sucks, right? Yeah. That's yeah. What Actually, I'm putting my savings in it. Yeah, they will. My sister has no problem telling me when I look bad, when she doesn't like what I'm wearing, when something doesn't taste good. So like you need people. I always call them like no people. You need people who say no, because then yeah. those are the people who will make you better. I, I absolutely so agree. Well, it is t- absolutely delicious. So then you get the product together and then you're like, wow, I need money right? That's happened to me before. And, you know, people don't realize that, which, you know, this entrepreneurial podcast, like you need seed money. Everybody's not from the lucky sperm club, like I say. Yeah. So you realize, (laughs) right? So you're just like, I I need to get money together. So I knew you had gone on Shark Tank, which I want to totally dive into and discuss that and that whole situation. But to get your VC money, venture capitals, like, did you go do that first or you did Shark Tank first? So I actually invested my own money first. Yes. So I invested $20,000 of my own money, which is obviously really scary because you, um, you know, you don't know if it could go to zero, like it could go to zero. Right. And so you yes. have to kind of go in with the mindset of like gambling almost, right. Like with your own money, obviously, yeah, you can yes, of course. Way, but, um, so it started with that. And then the sales got kind of wild where we like couldn't keep up with the production. And so that's when I was like, I need to get into a co-packer, which is essentially for people listening, it's um, a manufacturer that you don't necessarily own, but they'll produce your product for you. Um, but they, you know, they charge crazy amounts to even start up at them. And so it's that's true. when I was like, I need venture capital money. And um, I started out, you know, with the goal of raising $500,000. And then by, I kind of like, you know, pitch my story to a ton of different angel investors and VCs. And by the end of the week, I was at a million dollars committed. And I was like, holy crap. Like, do I take, like, that's a lot of money, right? Like, do I that take is. Yes. 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 And you're like, oh. I don't want to blow someone else's money. And then yeah. Yeah. now just, you know, how did you know you were taking a million dollars? Did you also need the wherewithal? Did you need a strategic partner? Did you need structure? Or did you just need the investment? Yeah, so so that's what's kind of interesting when you fundraise is you want you obviously want the money, but the best investors are the ones that will help you outside of that. So like my my best investors are ones that I can call at like 10 p.m. if I have an emergency and like they can help me with something or you know the ones where I'm like hey I want a gift to you know this influencer or this celebrity like do you have a connection? And they like pull out all the stops and like make sure to find me that connection. And so that was a filter that I went through because I could have ended up raising 
a little bit more than that, right, than I needed. But I wanted the partner to be, or the partners to be people who either could help me in running the business or could help me kind of like externally with the network and the connections. Because that, you know, that, that when you are, especially when things are good, it's great. When things are bad is like when you need to, to that type of help or that type of support. Yes. And I, and I love that you're, you know, you're so amazing. So smart that you know that. Cause I think so many people don't realize it's great to get the money, but like, so, you know, what do you do now? What's well, right? how do you scale how your do you business? Scale your business? And I think that's yeah. what a lot of people don't realize. People think yeah, it's, just about the, money. it's not that's just like about the easy money. or not the easy part because it is, it is the difficult easy. fundraising, but it's the yes. easy part to like get that. And then, and then you have to turn it into something, you know, yes, and that's yes. what's kind of wild. So, which is, was it like everybody tasted and was like, oh my God, Sabina, I'm on board. But it's also you, you're infectious and smart and everything else. But I think everybody yeah, tasted it. it and saw that people loved it. Yeah. And I think they, they could kind of feel the kind of hype around it and they could kind of feel the white space, right. Of like, there's, especially in the cookie dough category. So we'll launch into, into a few different other kind of like snack brands, which I can, I talk, talk about later, but in the cookie dough category, there's Pillsbury and Nestle Toll House. And those two haven't been disrupted in how many, right? Like that's all, yeah. those are the only cookie doughs I can name. And so that's what's kind of crazy is like, it's this part of the grocery store where, and you see when you go to, you know, like a Whole Foods or something, you can kind of see it where there's been disruption, but that is one that's just been, not been disrupted. Like if you go into a Target, it's Pillsbury, Nestle Toll House, Jell-O and Crescent Rolls. And that is it, that, that's yeah, in that category. It looks like it's from like 1995. And the funny thing is you recognize all the names, but you certainly don't recognize any of the ingredients. Yeah. Whereas when you read Joe, Everything is a real, real ingredient, something that you recognize. And, and you, you don't have taste. guilt feelings when you're eating. No. And it's delicious, which is amazing. And the packaging is beautiful. Yes. Your brand you feel very glamorous. You feel very glamorous when you're eating it. Yeah. Well, a lot of the influencers and celebrities we work with are kind of in, I mean, similar to y'all where they're, they're kind of in the um, like lifestyle, fashion, beauty space and less so food, which is what I, I always found so interesting. Like the ones that you know, do the best for us or are the best brand ambassadors are actually like beauty fashion people, which, you know, that's, it says something, I think a little bit about the brand, but also, you know, depending on what you want to build, you could build, if you're building a food brand, you could build something that's like super foodie or, you know, chef oriented, but we've just found, um, yeah, like the, the kind of like premium fashion part of it, just like it oozes throughout the brand. Yes. Which very smart. I, you know, yeah. and also that's, that's just a credit to you that that's where, you know, it has to go. It's not just about the food. It's a life. Dough is a lifestyle. So what made you want to go on Shark Tank? Cause you did that after you got the VC money. Yeah. So I, well, it's funny because a lot of people don't know this, but, um, you can also be reached out to from Shark Tank. Mm -hmm. And so you can apply, or you can be reached out to. So, um, you know, we were reached out to in January of um, this past year. And you you have that kind of like freak out moment. Like when you see like casting director Shark Tank, you're like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Like, did I make it? Um, obviously I haven't made anything yet, but like it's, um, it's a moment that you have where you kind of have that reflection of like, I'm on the right path. Um, and so obviously got super excited, but it's also a really big time commitment like it, I probably spent over a hundred hours of just time, you know, prepping and watching and, you know, working with them and designing the set and like, you know, memorizing my pitch and tweaking my pitch. And so 
it is a commitment. So you kind of, I, I, I chatted with a few folks who had been on there. I'd been lucky, like my investors were, were kind enough to kind of introduce me to people that they knew that had been on the show. And I had to figure out like, is this time commitment worth it? Because there's a chance you don't air. So you can film, you can fully go through the entire process and film, and there is still a really good chance that you don't air. And a lot of people don't know that. And so wow, that I, I had to, I like, how crushed would you be if you were like, you know, it's like, it just gets pulled, the plug just gets pulled. And so I was, I was really nervous about that. But then, um, you know, the people that I chatted with were like, that exposure and that awareness and, you know, potentially working with one of the sharks, like that can put you on a different trajectory versus you can keep, you know, growing at a steady pace, or you can have like a hockey stick growth moment. And, you know, these companies that do well, especially in the consumer space, they, they always have one thing in common is that they have that kind of like hockey stick moment over and over again. And so um, I made that decision. I was like, I'm going to commit the commit to this and give it everything I have. Um, and I filmed it in July, actually, of 2021, and we didn't air until November. Um, and that's you get a call. So, by the way, that's not so bad, because I'm yeah. in the TV world, and I, and I film in the summer, and we're airing February now. Oh, that's wild. That's I'm, like I'm even used longer. To yeah, I'm um, very used to that. I don't know, you like have forgotten like what, what you said or what you did? No. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so I, yeah, it, you film in November and then they tell you three weeks in advance. So you don't actually know you're filming. They give you a call on a Friday and they say, your episode is filming in three weeks. You should prepare. And, uh, and then you're like, uh, okay, like what, see, so you can't, three weeks isn't enough time to like produce product, right? Like it's not, it, it's like barely enough time to like get the PR in order. Cause even PR like needs so much lead time to be like, yeah, if we want to go pitch this, then like we need, you know, a couple months. And so um, it is kind of like a scramble when that happens. And it is like the most wild experience ever. Cause you, when I watched it back, I think I like blacked out in the tank. <laughs> you were amazing. You were, yeah. you were great. You were so great. But that. when you were there and Robert Herjavec, you know, was just like, I gave you credit for negotiating back. Mm -hmm. And I just did not like that. He's like, well, they believed in you and they knew you were going to be successful yes. regardless. So that really was the truth. Yeah. They were like, she doesn't need us. So that's a big compliment to you. It was a really big compliment. I know. And I had that feeling kind of like throughout of like, they, they, they were so complimentary. So they, we filmed for a couple hours and obviously you only see like six minutes of it on TV, but um, they were so, so complimentary. And like Robert said, um, I, this will like stick with me. And he said, you're one of the best entrepreneurs that has walked on that carpet in the 13 years that I've been doing this. And I like got to, I like wanted to cry in that moment. Oh, I was like, holy that shit, is so that is such a good compliment. Um, so yeah, they really did believe me. I think what's, what's interesting is like the after effects of filming on Yes, please tell was, us. Was great. So there was, everyone says, don't read about yourself on the internet, right? Like that's. Oh, I live it all day. Right? And it's like, it's hard. I mean, you know this where it's like, if someone's saying something like you're going to, you're like curious to see what people, what people think. And so they say, stay off Reddit, stay off Twitter, <laughs> stay off Instagram. And of course, the next morning after I filmed, I was on Reddit, Twitter, and Instagram, all of those, just seeing what, what was said. Um. And there was, there were a lot of interesting comments. Wait a minute, so when you say after you filmed, was it live? 
Um, no, or sorry. After, after it aired. After after it aired. I, okay. All right. I got I, nervous. I was like, oh my God, if it's live, I got nervous. So I aired, I aired on a Friday, but I, don't, I didn't know how they would cut the episode. So that's new because you don't get to see it ahead of time. So yes. you just have to like, you watch it live and you're like, oh, okay. Um, and I thought they actually gave me a really good edit. They gave me like a really strong female entrepreneur. Yes. Edit. Yes. 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 You were I was amazing. Amazing. Um, and, but then, you, you know, the next morning I'm reading Reddit, Twitter, Instagram. Um, and there were a lot of kind of like misogynistic comments, which oh, I thought were shocking. Were oh, inter- well, isn't it crazy that we're in 2022 yes. and we're still having this conversation? Like, yeah, I know it's, it's kind of wild, but like a lot of, you know, there was a lot of, um, comments about my outfit. It so was fabulous. I, I loved it. I wore, I wore a, the cutest hot pink suit. <laughs> you looked amazing. It was so on brand. It was so on brand. And what, they, like, what were what? people saying? Um, so people were saying that um, it wasn't professional. People, oh. It's professional on brand for your company. Right. Exactly. Well, and by the way, they I don't think anyone would comment on a man and what he was wearing. Like, yeah, and I've seen yeah. so many men go on there and I'm just like, like, okay. A t-shirt a or like yes. a cutoff or like, yeah. you know? um, so that was, that I thought was interesting. Um, there was a couple of comments about like, she shouldn't negotiate. And I was like, well, if a man negotiated, I'm sure that that would have been fine. But like, if, a, if I negotiate, like that's, um, that's a problem. So there's, there's a, there is a few here and there, I would say like 80% positive, maybe 20% negative. And so I, you know, I like sat on it for a little bit and I was like, do I talk about this? Because you kind of don't want to like ruffle feathers and like, especially after, you know, things are going really well and I didn't want to do anything to harm the business or the brand. But I also think female entrepreneurs often don't speak enough about kind of these like microaggressions or like misogynist comments that they do receive in like a boardroom or in, you know, like just in life. And so you don't, we kind of don't talk about it enough. So I kind of had this moment the the week after of like, do I talk about it? And I was like, you know what, I'm going to do a TikTok. And by the way, I'm horrible at TikTok, but my team is really good at TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) We got in like a lot of traction on TikTok. Um, And that's where, you know, that, that young consumer that we target is. And so I did this TikTok that went viral. And it was just pointing to all of like the misogynistic comments. And it was only, it was a handful because you can't fit them all, but like pointing to all the misogynistic comments that I received. And that picked up overnight and it had overnight had like 1.3 million views. And then all of these, like the Daily Mail, the Independent, Newsweek, like all of these publications picked it up. And that kind of, I would say like that sustained. So we got a spike in sales on Shark Tank. And then that viral TikTok did almost the same amount of sales as Shark Tank. Good, for us. good for you. Kind of crazy. Um, so- and it started a conversation about you know women in business, which like, and it, it is wild how how positive people were when they saw that TikTok and like the comments. Most of them, right? Obviously, you have some of the trolls, but most of them on TikTok were like, you know, you go girl. Your outfit was great. Like, love a female entrepreneur. You know, boss on TV. Like all that. And so that people really did react really positively, which is what I was nervous about. But I think that aftermath just proves one the power of kind of like digital marketing and, and TikTok nowadays. Uh, but then two, like you know, taking your own spin, like being able to share your own story from you versus like just succumbing to what everybody else says. I know that's amazing. That is so good. I just, I just love that story. So that's listen. So Shark Tank worked out perfectly. Have you heard from anybody on there again? 
Um, so not from there, but I had, I did have a flood of outreach from investors and retailers to carry us, which is cool. It's like the power of just like the mass, you know, mass awareness. And so we had a lot of outreach and influencers and just like a lot of people that were like, Hey, saw you on Shark Tank, like would love to work together. And so filtering through that has been obviously difficult. Like, you know, this, it's, it's hard to figure out like what to do and what to say yes to, because you can't say yes to everything, but definitely the, the retailer interest and like the grocery store interest. And then as well, I'm, I'm closing another round of funding right now. So the, um, the investor interest too has been really exactly. Now, let me just ask you, cause I'm sure people want to know this. Like how much do you know to give away, you know, investing in a company, giving up percentages of your company, it's your baby. So I always say it's better to have a smaller piece of a big pie yep. than a bigger piece yeah. of a small pie. Do you oh, feel I the same that. way? I, I subscribe to that Margaret Joseph theory because, <laughs> okay, there's also a Harvard Business School. Um, it's called The Founder's Dilemma. It's a Har- Harvard Business School essay. And it basically shows this chart um, that's a quadrant and, and everyone can go look it up to see what it looks like. But the two, the biggest dilemma is, do you want to be the king or do you want to be rich? And like, that is such an interesting question to ask. Like, I used to think that I wanted to be the king. No. And now fully, I'm like, if this person's going to help me and is going to be like, we're, we're talking to um, an investor that would be really powerful and they, you know, will own a good chunk of the business that I will have to give up. Like, no, I want to be rich. I don't want to be the king. Like, be I the agree. What a little tiny like the king, the king is overrated. The yeah. king is no, overrated. Yeah. I'm not. I don't need the power. Like, I just I I want to build a bit something bigger than myself. And to be able to build something bigger than yourself, you your ego has to just like step to the side. You know. I, I absolutely agree with that. You now, are so right. Now to go on Shark Tank, you have to be very transparent about like margins and cost prices and you have to disclose all your financials how did your investors feel about that was that like a big a a big conversation because i know that's obviously something that most brands would like to keep very private yeah and it's well yeah that's true it's um it's it's usually private too early on because the margins usually aren't as good early on and like you kind of grow the margins over the years um for us because I worked at a place like Frito-Lay where we were selling 99 cent bags of potato chips. So we had to be so tight on our margins and you have to manage that PL like you're managing this like tight ship that I already was kind of running the business that way. And so for us sharing that stuff wasn't actually a bad thing. It kind of worked in our advantage of, um, you know, it's a strong business. And so I don't think, None of our investors, um, you know, had that fear. I think they, they, if anything, had a little bit of the like, "Are you ready for this?" <laughs> you know, like kind of, yeah. kind of fear. But um, I think if you're in a position of kind of power, or if you have an answer, so like for us, we cold ship our product. So for people that don't, don't know, you need ice packs, you need foil liners, you have to two day ship with UPS, you can't ship ground. And so it does add costs to it. So being transparent with the sharks and saying, um, I don't actually think they even aired this part, but I was like, yeah, we cold ship the product. So it is a little bit more expensive, but we offer free shipping when you get to a certain volume because 
the consumer expects it. Like Amazon ruined it for everyone. We're like, everyone. Yeah. 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 And they need it to arrive. Like if I order it, it to arrive in two hours. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, so I I was super transparent and I had a path of like how we're going to improve that. And so that I think being, being like overly transparent and I, I have no filter. Like you can probably tell after talking to me for a few minutes of, I, I don't have a filter. And so I think that has been sometimes, you know, an Achilles heel, but a lot of times my strength of like, I I'm just going to be real with you. And like, this is what it is. Um, so yeah, that's been, it's been, we actually are really publicly, you know, on Instagram too, publicly sharing some of that stuff. So people know like, yeah, there are, there are times where it takes off, but you also have like the roller coaster and, and being more, I think, open about that is super helpful for people. No, I, I agree. I always say there, there's no overnight success. Like you said, there's, it's great to have the hockey stick, but you know, people still have pitfalls, things happen in business. And mm-hmm. I think everybody doesn't realize that. And everybody looks at like this amazing life or, or something like that, or there's people who are envious, but it's hard work. It's not luck. it's super hard work. Yeah. And it's, yeah, people don't necessarily share like, you know, the anxiety of like, we had a a production the other day that, um, where the product, we tried the product and it didn't taste up to par. And like, we are most likely getting rid of that product, you know? And like, that's a hit to the, to the, the company, but like, it's also the right thing to do for quality and ensuring the customer gets the best product. But like, yeah, I, I haven't like shared that publicly, but I do think it would be helpful to your point of like, you know, making sure that people know that it is a daily grind and it's not, you share a lot of the successes maybe on, on Instagram. Um, but it's not necessarily like all, all rainbows and butterflies. No, <laughs> no for sure. No. So t- tell us what's next. Cause we have the Nutella coming out, your version of the, I don't want to call it the Nutella. The that's drip. A, the drip. The drip. Not- you compare it to Nutella too, because it's the easiest way to describe it. And so it's easier. What we found is it's easier to hit the consumer with what they know versus trying to like recreate the wheel. So yeah, we've got, we've got our drip product. Yeah. So we have to be careful. And that's the thing too, with recreating nostalgic snacks is like, you have to kind of be careful because you want to nod to things, but um, yeah, it's a drip is a chocolate hazelnut spread and it's, it tastes like very hazelnut forward. So it's just very like rich. It's made with five ingredients. um, And hazelnuts are actually in it. It's that's the first ingredient. Hazelnut. Um, and a lot lower sugar than competitors on the market. So um, hitting on that for people who are kind of trying to watch their sugar intake. Um, and I then as get well, it. Wait, it's available now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, we just water. launched it. Right away. It's just so refreshing to see real ingredients as well and foods yes. that are fun and delicious. Because I think that's it. Everything gets a bad rap if it's good for you. It's boring. Boring or so I think this is so fun. So what retailers currently are carrying? So we are about to launch in Whole Foods in two weeks. Oh, congratulations. Exciting. Um, so we're we're in the Southern Pacific region. So it's um, you know, Southern California, Nevada, Arizona, Hawaii, and um we'll start with that region. And then we have two major retailers that I can't say yet, but ones that people will be like okay, I can like go get it right now. Um, and those will be in April and June. That's a big um, deal. And That's so big those deal. will, yeah. And I'm hoping those will make it because it is hard to try a product after seeing it online, which we've been so kind of viral online, but you know, 
if it's at the grocery store and you can just like pick it up, like you pick up a pint of ice cream, it's so much more accessible to people. Um, and these two retailers in particular are, are much more mass. So that will be, it'll be nice to, that people can just like go to their neighborhood grocery store and pick it up. Um, that I think will be a little surreal to like just see it there out in the wild. Um, and then we'll have, we have a pretty big innovation planned for Q4 of this year. So um, we're working on products outside of cookie dough. So obviously we'll, we'll continue iterating on flavors and our collabs on cookie dough, but we're, we're talking to a couple of different partners to do something completely different in the snacking space. Um, and we're finding, I mean, to your point about going hand to mouth, right? Like we're finding people are eating it as a snack. So we're going to double down instead of desserts. We're going to also, you know, explore the snack category. Um, so that'll be coming in Q4, which is really Oh, exciting. that's exciting. Um, I know, because yeah. I really am a snacker. I mean, Listen, late at night, can, when I'm watching television, that's it. Before we yeah. run, I eat the cream of an Oreo and throw away the cookie. That's my justification. If I only eat the cream, that's hilarious. Cookie, it's not so bad. But we just finished lunch, and to your point, I need a small sweet after lunch. I just do with the sweet yes. So I yeah. think the snack area, and that's my big downfall is snack area, which I'm sure most people's downfall is snack area. So this is very exciting it on is. a personal note. So where do you see yourself? Because you are young. You're a young, entrepreneurial, amazing woman. Where do you see yourself in five years? Oh, that's a hard one. I, I think dough will be the next PepsiCo. Like, I think it will be a a conglomerate of a bunch of different products and brands, which is super exciting. So I think, you know, from a professional standpoint, I am looking forward to kind of growing that and growing it like bigger than I am, which is really exciting. Um, I think on the personal side, I will probably be with child. <laughs> uh, my, my mom asks me like every other month, she's like, you ready yet? And I'm like, I have a baby. It's called my company. So <laughs> um, on the personal side, I'm hoping to be, you You'll know, be baking some dough. Starting, yeah. 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 <laughs> a little family. We'll have a little cookie in the oven, yes. um, which will, will likely be the case. But I'm hoping I can also figure out how to do both, which I think is hard. Yeah. Not that I, I don't necessarily believe in balance because I think if you're passionate about something, you'll just, you know, go all in for it. So I, dough is always on my mind 24 seven, but I want to be able to kind of have that fulfilling other parts of my life in my thirties. Um, and you know, a family is one of them. Oh, that's so exciting. So same question we ask everybody. Now this is, I always say my success, um, is 50% determination, 50% delusion. Um, what do you determine? What are your percentages? My percentages are probably, I would say I'm like 60, 40. 60 determination, 40 delusion, pretty close to you. Yeah. I think because you have to be an entrepreneur, you have to be a little nutty. Like you have to be <laughs> yeah, yes. I, like, that's what I said. It's going to work, right? Because 99% of things fail. So yeah. like for me, I was talking to an investor or a potential investor this morning and I was like, no, this is going to work. Like, this is like, the, I, like, there's no doubt in my mind that like, it's going to be, you know, an X million dollar business and we're, you know, going to turn it into the next, you know, Mondelez or PepsiCo. And you have to be a little crazy to like, think that about your own business. No, um, I, but by the way, if you don't put it out there and believe in it, no one else is going to exactly. either. And I always say that. So, I mean, I've been told numerous times, give up my business. You're never going to be on TV. You're this, you're that, give it up. And it's just like, I just keep pushing forward and yeah. somehow miraculously yeah. it happens. And it's happened. It's called, yeah, it's called manifesting. But that's why I gave a little more to the determination. I gave a little bit more percentage because I am like 
a really fucking hard worker. Like I will do everything in my power. Like if someone tells me no, that's a maybe. <laughs> and if someone tells me maybe, that's a yes. So yeah, like that exactly. is, I think that determination is like what will keep me going. I love Definitely. that. That's true. So I'm sure in your you know, lifespan of starting dope, you've had many of these, but what is one big like big girl panty moment that stands out to you as like, oh my God, it's sink or swim here. Um, I think one of the biggest moments where I was like, holy shit, this is a thing was when I got an article in Forbes and it was literally like my Forbes article was my face. And I that was, that. I read we, it. Yes. yes, we looked yeah. at it. It's that a, was like the craziest. Like Forbes is like what you dream of when you, you're a girl, right? Like you don't, you don't ever think that you, because, and as much as people want to say like, you know, social media is the future and like old editorial is dead. Like Forbes is Forbes, you know? Like, yeah. yeah. They are, um, you know, they're like time. They're like one of the biggest. And so that was something that I never thought I would see where I like, I saw it, the article came out um, and I started like crying immediately. And I haven't had that sort of, because when you're doing this for a minute and you know this, right, where you, it's so high and low in emotion that you can't let the highs get to you and you can't let the lows get to you. So you kind of try to operate more even keels where that moment I like couldn't control my emotion. And I just like cried of like, the first time I'm proud of myself, you know, like I'm act like I actually did it. So that was, that was kind of like the big girl, like, holy shit, this is real kind of thing. Oh, I that's love amazing. that. That's so, that's such a beautiful story. Your parent, I mean, and your parents and your husband, your whole family must be so proud of you. Yeah. Yeah. From a small town in Texas to yeah. a Forbes article. <laughs> no, they aren't really that's proud. A, I mean, that's a bit, you're a big deal. But I also love that you say that's the first time you're proud of yourself because you should be proud of yourself. You and we always say well, everyone's proud of us. Are you proud of yourself? Yes. To be proud of yourself, I think is very hard also. Yeah, it is. Yeah, especially when you're so like when you're someone uh, and and entrepreneurs I think are are the biggest culprits of this of like things not being enough. You no, know, it's like uh, great, we got to a million dollars in sales. Now let's get to a five million dollars yeah, in sales. You never great. feel like you've achieved enough. Yes. Yeah, and you're like, there's more, there's more, there's more. And so to have a moment of reflection of like, okay, this is this is wild, and I'm proud of myself. I think that's it's hard to like get yourself out of that achievement mode. You know. Yeah. Yes. For sure. And then we also uh -oh. asked, because we are very much a real entrepreneurial podcast, what is your most entrepreneurial advice you could give to anyone looking to start their own business today? Yeah, I would say, and this was advice I got early on, um, if you're not embarrassed of your first product, you're not doing it right. And that was, I thought, so interesting because we want everything to be so perfect when we launch something. And that actually prohibits us, I think, from launching something or, or going for it because you're like, oh, well, like the packaging's not perfect or like, you know, the product should be like this or, you know, you, you want it to be perfection. But our, my first product, I was like fully embarrassed. <laughs> it was, we launched it on Instagram. It was like this ugly packaging. Um, but there was something there. There was lightning in a bottle there. And so people, despite it being not as cute as I would have liked it or the packaging not being perfect or whatever, it, there was obviously something there because it started selling out. And so I think the, the just start, and I think a lot of people say this, like just start, just put something out there. That is one of the best pieces of advice because if you if you have that kind of inertia then you will never 
get to this stage because you'll just keep putting it off. So if you just do it, then you can see if it works and then you can iterate on it and perfect it as time. And you'll go through rebrands and packaging change. A lot of big brands do that, right? Like repackaging yeah. changes and, and formulation true. changes and whatever. And that's okay if you have to do that in a year or two, but just starting is like the biggest piece of advice. Well, that is the best advice. I mean, you are, so, besides yeah. Vector Zone inspiring, breath of fresh air, you've given... Um, an entire year of business school yes. in this podcast. So everybody should be yes, so thrilled listening to this. Save your $200,000, don't go to business school. <laughs> no, exactly. legit. Don't, I mean, after this podcast. And everybody better go buy dough and drip and everything that you do because it's delicious and amazing. And I'm so excited to see what you do next. Tell everybody where to find you. You guys are the best. You can follow us at EatDough, E-A-T-D-E-U-X, and then EatDough.com, E-A-T-D-E-U-X.com. Oh, this was so this good. Was this so, was so fun. Thank so you so much. Thank you so much. Yes, thank Bye. you. Bye. Bye. She's amazing. Okay, that's good. I'm like impressive. obsessed. Okay, by the way, everybody, if you don't listen to every piece of advice she said, so impressive. I'm listening to the advice. A lot of uh, same belief systems I have. Yeah. And I am very inspired and enlightened. It's, you know, really, she is a testament to the fact of just like, figure it out as you're going along. Yeah, it's Take like everything doesn't have to be mad. perfect. Just freaking launch the stuff that you want to do. Stop hemming and hawing. Stop being a puss and get it done. Get it done. That was really, really valuable. Yes. And I love how she started with just, you know, $20,000 sounds like a lot of money, but she started with $20,000 of her own money which is very, very impressive. She had 600% sales growth in the first mm -hmm. six months of 2021. Yeah, and then she raised a million dollars, people. So yeah. with $20,000, she raised a million dollars. Her company took off. She's a huge evaluation now. And I think it's really important for people to understand, like to the point that you made that it is about raising the money, but it's about what you do afterwards and the kind yes. of investors you Strategic take on. Strategic partnerships. It's great to get money from your friends, your family. They don't know what the fuck they're doing. Unless they're in business, I'm yes. not being mean. Unless they have business acumen, they, they've been in it, they've scaled a business. That's that's what you need. You need a, It's called a strategic partner. And Sabina was smart. She got a strategic partner. She knows what's going on. They could take late night phone calls. And, and she took people that played to different strengths as well. Like she said, she had someone that could help with like the business side. And then she needed someone to come on board for networking connections and for the branding side and to blow mm -hmm. up that kind of stuff. So she took multiple partners to check the boxes that she needed. So I think it's important as you grow in your business and as you're looking, what you, like really look at what you need for your business. Not every business partner is created equal. It's true. And the best line, which I say this all the time, we had two different sayings and I love her saying, do you want to be king or do you want to be rich? I and you love know what? that. You want to be rich. But if you want to be king, the king's not always rich, just so you know. Yeah, and ego doesn't get yeah, you very far. Yeah, ego doesn't get you very far. I always say, do you want a big piece of a small pie or do you want a small piece of a big pie? And I always want a small piece of a big pie because a big pie has a lot more money. I'm all about that. Yes, and we're working hard, you know, for fulfillment, to be happy. It's not just about the money. Um, it's self-fulfillment, but we're not, we're not working for free either. Nobody suffers well. Yeah. We don't suffer well, people. <laughs> Anybody <laughs> listening to this podcast is not suffering well. Call caviar dreams for a reason, people. Yes, exactly. Thank you so much for listening. Everybody go follow Sabine immediately in order. Dough, delicious and healthy. You can find me at The Real Margaret Josephs. 
and at the Macbeth Collection. Leo Dreams Tuna Fish Budget on YouTube and on Instagram and wherever you find your podcast. And when you're listening, don't forget to subscribe and hit follow so you can catch up with our new episodes every two weeks. See you soon, guys. Keep dreaming. Bye. Keep dreaming, caviar dreamers. <laughs>